0: Hello and welcome to this Herbert Smith Free Hills Japan Dispute Resolution Podcast. My name is James Alsop and I'm an of counsel in the disputes team of our Tokyo office. Thank you for joining us again on the second installment of our podcast series looking at compliance issues arising from COVID 19. Today I'm joined by Elaine Wong, a disputes partner in our Singapore office, and Michael McElane, a senior associate in the disputes team here in Tokyo. And today we're going to be discussing conducting remote investigations. What do you need to know? What do you need to think about? And what do you need to prepare for? The ongoing COVID-19 pandemic has piled on more challenges to businesses and legal teams around the world, and conducting investigations is no exception. Everyone is still adapting, but today we hope to explore some practical tips and considerations to bear in mind if you are carrying out, or anticipate carrying out, an investigation in the current COVID 19 world. Now, before we go into some of the practical points to consider when conducting investigations remotely, perhaps we should begin by considering whether the current circumstances justify postponing investigations. Elaine, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Thanks, James. Um, I think the answer to that question would depend very much on the level of discretion that you have and. I guess more importantly, the urgency of the matters that are being investigated. So in the right circumstances, you might be able to deprioritize the investigation and shift it into the next quarter, for example. But if you are operating in a regulated industry, then I'd suggest having that dialogue early on. So, for example, the UK financial regulator the Financial Conduct Authority acknowledged very shortly after the British government introduced its COVID-19 response measures uh, that businesses would need to prioritise how they use their systems and controls on a temporary basis. So we've also seen from our experience um, that other regulators and prosecutors are reprioritizing their matters in light of the demands on the time. And the other consideration is, how critical is the matter to be investigated? The more business critical the matter, then the less likely you're going to want to postpone the investigation.
2: Yes, I, I would just add to what Elaine said there, that there are also practical considerations around postponement. Delaying an investigation could impact on the quality of the evidence that's harvested at a later date. Or even just as memories naturally fade over time when it comes around to interviewing witnesses. Ultimately I think if you decide to postpone an investigation then it makes sense to document that decision and the reasons for it and to keep the position under regular review so that you can adapt and change the approach swiftly if the circumstances change.
0: Yes that's a good point Michael. Um, Assuming that you go ahead and start carrying out an internal investigation, one of the first steps you take is obviously to collect and preserve evidence, which these days means mostly emails and documents stored on a company's network. But Elaine, how do you do this when carrying out an investigation remotely?
1: Um, This wasn't a straightforward area even before the COVID-19 pandemic. As often, businesses needed to work with their legal advisors in the relevant jurisdictions where data was located so that data privacy and employment law risks can be managed. So those issues are still here and they need to be navigated. Um, on top of that, um, you have practical issues to contend with. So get, for example, you mentioned um, network data and emails. In most jurisdictions at the moment, it wouldn't be possible for data collection providers to travel on site and harvest data in a forensically sound manner. Um, This will now need to be done remotely, which which usually means it will take longer. And on top of that, securing physical devices, for example, mobile phones, is more difficult and practically is going to need some cooperation from whoever has custody of the device. So securing hard copies of documents might also be more difficult as it becomes harder to access workplaces though this might be mitigated as more businesses move to an online-only model of document retention. Of course, you should still issue the usual document retention notices to individuals who are likely to have custody or control over relevant documents. Whatever steps you take, it is important to keep a log of what you do so that you can demonstrate, if you need to, what steps you have taken to collect and preserve the relevant evidence.
2: another angle uh, requiring consideration is the risks coming from the increase in uh, so-called bring your own device arrangements, which arise from the uh, the increase in remote working following the COVID-19 pandemic. Employees can now uh, work on their own devices rather than the hardware that's provided by their employer. So employers might want to check their remote working policies to see the powers they have to require employees to provide data that's held on their own personal devices. Obviously, there's a, a careful line to be tread here between employees' legitimate privacy concerns and the measures that you want to take to protect the business's interests.
0: I mean, in addition to, to making sure that you get the document collection exercise right, um, I've also found that the interview stage of any internal investigation is, is also critical. Elaine, what, what impact are you seeing on how interviews are carried out in the new normal that we're currently operating in?
1: Well, the most obvious change is the increase in remote interviews. Whereas previously you would have met physically, these interviews are now taking place uh, through platforms such as Zoom, Teams and Skype. So just as with the increase in the use of technology in courts and arbitrations, I think building in extra time to test the technology is key.
2: I I think that's right. It it may seem very simple, but it is worth taking the time to check that all the participants in an interview have a quality internet connection and access to a microphone and web camera. That isn't always a certainty in some jurisdictions. Another practical point is sharing documents with witnesses. At an in-person meeting, you might have documents with you that you can show to a witness and invite their commentary on. Although most video conferencing platforms have screen sharing technology, sometimes this isn't practical. Say if you have a particularly large document or complex spreadsheets. And so you might end up having to send hard copies of documents to witnesses, which is a step that can add some delay. And it also raises confidentiality issues that we can perhaps discuss later.
1: I definitely agree with that. Generally, you should expect a remote witness interview to take longer to cover the same ground. Than, in, uh, than a traditional in person interview would have.
0: Just picking up on that point of, of, of confidentiality that, that Michael mentioned, um, internal investigations often concern highly sensitive matters, um, and, and businesses will want to maintain confidentiality at all times if possible. What, what type of confidentiality risks do you think that the move to remote investigations present, Elaine?
1: I think there are quite a few. So even simple things like maintaining confidentiality in interviews is more challenging with people working from home. And often these people are living and working in close proximity to others. Um, The secure transfer of documents is also uh, an issue. So online secure file transfer platforms provide part of the solution But if, for example, documents need to be printed, say you are sending them to a witness for an interview, then you should take care that they are delivered securely and set clear parameters as to what a person can and cannot do with the documents. So, for example, you might arrange a courier to pick up documents after an interview and tell the person being interviewed that they cannot make copies of these documents.
2: I think in, in addition to that, confidentiality concerns can also go beyond the interview stage. Uh, for example, when considering the confidentiality in, in the findings of your investigation. So say you're drafting a report summarising your investigation, then cybersecurity and information security are, are going to be key. You should take care to place restrictions on printing and onward circulation of draft reports wherever possible, especially if those drafts are likely to be privileged.
0: I can certainly see um, the point you make there, Michael, around um, confidentiality issues and and findings. But what about the the related issue of um, remediation following an investigation? How are you seeing um, COVID-19 impacting compliance enhancements following internal investigations?
2: I think it needs to be recognised that COVID-19 means that businesses face increased demands on their time and resources. As with most things, advanced planning is a big part of the answer, and, and so is flexibility. Findings can usually be split into those that need to be implemented without delay. So say, for example, a specific action like terminating an employee and those that are longer term and perhaps can be implemented in steps or in a stage uh, process. For example, a review of third party contracts or policies. We're also going to be guided, I think, by the subject matter of the investigation. If your investigation has uncovered financial crime or bribery for example, then the reputational and legal risks arising from delaying implementation of a compliance programme could be significantly higher.
0: I think it's clear that COVID-19 poses a lot of practical challenges for conducting internal investigations. but We hope that today's discussion provides at least a starting point for navigating a way through some of those issues. It also shouldn't be forgotten that remote investigations provide the potential for some cost savings, in particular around travel, Um, although in-person meetings and on-site visits to collect and preserve data are likely to remain a feature, even in the post-pandemic world. That's all we have time for today. Many thanks to Elaine and Michael for sharing your thoughts with us. And thank you for listening to this Herbert Smith Freehills Japan Dispute Resolution podcast. Please subscribe to receive further episodes. And if you have any questions on any of the issues we discussed today, please don't hesitate to contact any one of us. Thank you for listening and goodbye.